Coming up, the true meaning of shalom bias and achieving harmony in your marriage. Welcome, everybody, to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on H.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this is the place where each week a well-known Torah scholar drops by for a visit and shares important insights from the Torah that will make home life better. And this week, I'm joined by my guest, Rabbi Dr. David Gottlieb, and we will be talking about Shalom Bias, what it means, and how to achieve it. Rabbi Dr. David Gottlieb is the author of four books, most recently, Reason to Believe, and a senior faculty member at Or Sameach in Jerusalem. Additionally, Rabbi Gottlieb is a popular speaker internationally on a wide range of topics, which include ethics, biblical criticism, the relevance of religion, and the Jewish tradition's roles for men and women. And you can listen to many of Rabbi Gottlieb's lectures for free, or order his books, and contact him to speak in your community by visiting davidgottlieb.com. That's D-O-V-I-D-G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B.com. Welcome back to At Home in Jerusalem, Rabbi Dr. David Gottlieb. Wonderful to be with you. The term shalom bias is often translated in English as harmony in the home, very loosely translated. So I'm wondering if there's a more nuanced or correct definition of shalom bias. Shalom doesn't mean peace. Shalom comes from a word shalem, which means completeness. The picture is that every man and every woman, each one is incomplete. And the completeness is achieved by relationship between the two of them doesn't mean that when I get married, I become complete because of my relationship with my wife, nor for her. It means the two of us are parts of something bigger, something that we're both only elements in, and that bigger thing is whole. Shalom bias means creating the whole, which is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate fruition of a, of a, a successful marriage. If a couple feels a certain degree of love for each other on their wedding day, how can they expect that love to evolve over time? That's a crucial question. Um, How can they? They can't. Mm. Uh, (laughs) People change, and it is absolutely crucial to establish communication and not to rest content with the fact that at the moment we obviously understand one another, we empathize with one another, communication is easy and smooth because time will draw changes in the in the experience of the people gentlemen you will not be pregnant and you will not birth a child <laughs> and even if you go to the Lamaze classes the women will tell you it's not the same and when a person has a success or a failure or a tragedy uh, one per one uh, spouse's parent dies and the, it's not the other spouse's parents who's died there has to be a commitment to continue in communication otherwise when the changes take place they'll find themselves drifting apart mm-hmm. and you know when one considers that two people in any marriage are not carbon copies of each other it's inevitable there's going to be some bumps in the road of life as you say with with each other so does Being married, and I'm talking the actual commitment of marriage, does that increase the chances that this couple will successfully weather their disagreements or arguments? The difference is uh, like night and day. Uh, If you don't have the marriage commitment, then each party is thinking of the relationship as essentially temporary, essentially voluntary. And when the bumps come in the road, then the question in the person's mind is always, shall I get out? <clears throat> when you know that the, the commitment is there, you know that you must work to make it work. Mm-hmm. 
and this is absolutely crucial, the single quality most important in any relationship, any marriage relationship or any relationship is the willingness to work to make it work. There is a terrible attitude of people who don't make the marriage commitment and they say, I'll try it out to see if mm. it works. Mm -hmm, they never mm -hmm. specify the it. Uh, and that's that's uh, poison for for a relationship. One has to take responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Love and happiness in marriage are a matter of what you're striving to achieve. It doesn't happen by itself. Okay. Now let's, let's just to elaborate on that willingness to work. So sometimes it's you may have two partners that are very willing to make it work, but they are kind of like stuck or they need a bit of guidance. So. How does some sort of guidance or, um, what do you say, mashpia in, um, in the marriage relationship, like what, what then can it, when a couple do when they're kind of stuck on something? Well, there are professionals. There are, and always, if they, have, if they exist, if the opportunity exists, you should go to a firm professional who shares our values and shares our background and understanding of what life is about, uh, who can help facilitate communication. And this can be where uh, the both both spouses go to the same person or either one goes and gets the help that they need. Mm -hmm. It'll vary from case to case. There's no reason to feel that I have to do it alone. There's no reason to feel if, I, if, uh, if it really is going to work, I should be able to make it work alone. Uh, there are experts who are able to help with uh, with communication in marriage, and they should definitely be, be consulted. Okay, so you mentioned somebody who uh, might be... Uh, um a, someone they consult with who is religious. Okay, if uh, assuming this is assuming, of course, the couple has the same values religiously. But let's talk about a couple's relative or comparative rate of religious development in in their marriage. So it might be I don't know two people get married and they're on the same page religiously in their religious observance, and then maybe something happens, or vice versa. If if uh, it turns out through the um, through over time, then one person in the couple might take on more religious customs or something. So, how how can we understand religious development in a in a couple's marriage and guidance? The most important element in the picture that you're uh, describing is the relationship. Okay. Uh, Derailing the relationship is not going to serve anyone's benefit, uh, purposes. It's not going to contribute to anyone's development. So the, the general rule, although there are always exceptions, the general rule is the one who's moving faster has to take special care mm -hmm. to, to appreciate and to relate to the one who's moving more slowly. Mm -hmm. Not to put the one who's moving more slowly under pressure, not to make the person feel guilty. Uh, credit the person with honesty and with an, an effort to deal with life in a realistic way mm -hmm. and give the person space and time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, got it. I'm wondering if there's a, an ideal or ultimate piece of practical advice a couple should consider for to achieve long-term shalom bias. There are many and they're going to be specific to, to particular cases, but mm -hmm. I think they need a shared vision of what it is they want to accomplish. And sharing a vision has uh, two, two dimensions. If you're climbing a mountain, as you climb, you don't get appreciably closer to the top. But if you turn around and look back and you see the ground that you've covered, you could take tremendous satisfaction in it. When people feel that they're under stress and when they're out of sync with the other person, stop and take a look back two years or five years or eight years, however long they've been married, and mm -hmm. see where, how far they've come, how much they've accomplished. Mm -hmm. That should give them confidence that although they're facing a particular problem at the moment, they can, they can be confident that they'll be able to cover it in, in the future. And then to project further down the road and say, 
Do we share a vision of where we want to be 10 years from now or 15 years from now? If we share that vision, let's work together on finding ways to make it real. Okay. I'm wondering if you could just elaborate and concretize what you mean by shared vision. And I can speak uh, personally, my own parents of blessed memory. So they actually did have a shared vision. When they first got married, they wanted their children to be very well educated and they wanted their children to be patriotic Americans. And I think they did well by that. So how can a couple concretize their own vision for marriage, a shared vision? It's a tricky proposition because if you have too detailed a shared vision, then mm -hmm. you are setting yourself up for the right. disappointment mm -hmm. when the children and grandchildren take their own way. Mm -hmm. I think it has to, you have to sort through your own values. What are your ultimate priorities? I mean, we are Hasidim by choice. We have children and grandchildren who are not Hasidim. Our ultimate value is that a child should go through life thinking, what does the Creator want from me? How can I do mm -hmm. His will? Mm -hmm. If you do it with a strimal, you do it without a strimal, that's mm -hmm. not really important. Mm -hmm. If you have a, a vision that's realistic, that, you, that really represents your highest priorities, and not the uh, trappings that may or may not come true, mm -hmm. then you can ask yourself, that's what we want. We want together for our future, for our progeny, and that's what we need to work on. And where we are now has to be evaluated in how we can get ourselves to work towards that goal. Very nice. I also like how you emphasize it should be realistic. Thanks so much for speaking with us today about Shalom Bias and Marriage, Rabbi Dr. David Gottlieb. Thank you for the opportunity. And there are many excellent articles and lectures about marriage in the family section on H.com. Check them out. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.